What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Elvira, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Eric Newman. Eric, I did not have a Honeycrisp apple today. I'm actually out of them. I need to go get some more. Uh, I'm assuming you had one probably, though, today, right? I eat one almost every day. Almost um, every day, okay. Yeah, I I don't know why. They never get old to me. I did have one this morning for breakfast, though. Had it with an iced tea and... Had a citrus overload, but it was delicious. Iced tea in the morning for breakfast? Yeah, I don't normally drink a lot of coffee, so um, it's my caffeine. Okay, I can respect that. You see, for me, I've kind of, you know, screwed myself a little bit because now if I don't have, like, at least two coffees a day, I get a headache, and I know that's not good, <laughs> obviously, um, but, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm not really that ashamed by it, though. There are worse things. You could be addicted to many other things that are much worse. Really glad you didn't go into detail about what I could be addicted to. Yeah. Uh, we've got a good show ahead today. Um, you know, as always, we're going to be reviewing the games that Eric and I were at on Friday. Uh, we're going to be uh, speaking with uh, Richard Obert from the Arizona Republic. Obviously, he does a great job. One of the mainstays here for the Arizona high school sports community. Also covers GCU and the Rattlers. We kind of got into that a little bit. And we also... You know, just highlighted, you know, how Richard Obert got into this business. Um, you know, he's been doing it for, for a long time now, doing it, a, like I said, a great job at it as well. Um, someone that I definitely look up to as well, for sure, as far as like how I kind of want to or where I want to be, I should say, in the next couple of years, as far as his following, you know, and just the the type of stories that he breaks and everything. Um so we, we definitely had a really, really good conversation with him. We're recording this on Monday. It is November 9th. The New York Jets are beating the New England Patriots right now as I speak. I think last time I gave a Monday Night Football update, the team that I said was losing, I believe it was the Buccaneers, to the Giants, they came back and won that game. So for those Patriots fans out there, if they win, you're welcome. Um, yep. Eric, Eric, let's get started. Uh, what game were you at this past Friday? I was at... 4A game, and I saw Glendale High capture back-to-back -back region titles, um, the newly named Skyline region. Um, they beat up on St. Mary's. The score ended up being 45-27, but it was really a domination. Um, they kind of took their foot off the gas pedal in the second half, um, happy to run the ball and let St. Mary's move the ball and take some time off the clock. Um, but yeah, it was it came in. Both teams were four and one battling for a region title. And uh Glendale took it. Incredible performance by their offense, Rocco Bruni, their senior quarterback, had five total touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. Um Colby DeRozier, their senior running back wide receiver, was outstanding, took two screen passes to the house. Um and yeah, it was just a great offensive showing and I think that Glendale, this is the most, they, they have a winning season every year for the last few years. And they just, I think this is the most complete team they've had. They had um, some really outstanding offense the last few years, but their defense is kind of caught up a little bit more and they have a better line. And so I just think it's going to be, they're going to be a tougher out than they've been the last couple of years in the playoffs. It, I guess it just depends on who they end up facing in the first round. Something not really related at all that I really shouldn't be making a big deal out of, but um, 
Why do you think that's called the Skyline region? Because it maybe kind of encompasses that Glendale to Phoenix area? Because, you know, when I hear Skyline, I immediately think of, you know, East Mesa. Yeah, I think that is probably exactly why. It's mostly um, schools in that area, like the actual Skyline of the towers. I, I don't actually know, but... I think you're probably right. I don't think it has anything to do with the Skyline High School in East Mesa. Um, though, I don't know how they would... Do you think they would be like 500 in that region? Well, <laughs> if we're talking about them with the current roster size and the current athletes they have on the roster, I think they'd be better than 500. I mean, I, I know Skyline obviously is having a tough year, but you know they they've got athletes there and they've got depth there um and i mean a 6a team against a 4a team i mean usually the 6a team comes out on top of that one just because of the depth overall so i'm glad you're caping um, up for your mesa boys yeah man i gotta stick up for those are my guys over there yeah man um you just lost uh, oh going back to glendale thank you for almost making me completely forget what i wanted wanted to ask you um glendale's always been that team where they've had a really good record i think at one point they had either one loss or no losses yet they entered at like number 16 in the playoffs is that only because of the schedule maybe the region that they play in every single it, year that's exactly it is last okay. year they were um they were they only lost two games but all their eight games were against non-playoff teams that they won um and then 4a they only got in because they won the region. Their strength, their actual score was lower than some of the other teams that didn't make it in. But because they won their region, it's an automatic bid in 4A. And uh, you know, it's tough because they end up they ended up going against the number one seed and losing. So it's hard to tell whether they were actually like, you know, a good playoff team because you you play the number one seed and get beat pretty bad. It doesn't really show you whether maybe you're in the middle of the pack or what like it's it, it's just tough to tell how they actually would have stacked up against most of the 4a teams yeah and i will say though rocco is a tremendous athlete he's great I think, and people i think people always you know they don't really give him the the recognition he deserves all the time because he plays you know obviously against weaker competition but i honestly think that if he was at any other school he would make a difference he is a great runner of the ball um, and I think he's going to make, I don't know about his offers or anything like that. I think he'll make an excellent dual threat quarterback at the next level. Kind of a guy who he, he could work on his arm a little bit. Everyone could. Um, but the amount he rushes and, you know, the hits he takes and everything and just able to get up and do it again while still making some good throws is great. Absolutely. Um, I'll touch on the game that I was at. So uh, Mountain View, Mountain Point, battle of the team that hasn't won a game and the battle of the team that hasn't lost a game. Um, you know, f first things first, I know Mountain View was dealing with some injuries themselves. Uh, you know, their their quarterback uh, was hurt um, before. Uh, I think he got hurt. Uh, what was it? I think against Desert Vista, Willie Roberts, a junior quarterback for Mountain View. Um I want to say it was like a shoulder injury or something like that. Um, I didn't really ask too many questions. All I know is that he's not there right now. I know he's hurt. Um, but, you know, senior, normally a free safety, from, from my understanding. Zach Majorchak, I hope I'm saying his his name right. I'm probably not, of course, but, you know, okay. Um, 
he did very well. He he proved that he can be a game manager. His stats didn't jump off the page at all. Um, he had a rushing touchdown, didn't throw for any touchdowns, but at the end of the day, he really didn't have to because that Mountain View defensive line led by Malaki Taasi, I think he's the leader right now in sacks at the 6A level. That's a legit defensive line they have, and they have basically three starters that are juniors, which means they're all going to come back next year. There's one guy that's actually a senior on that line, and they rotate in like crazy too, and, and you know the linebacking core is also very good. Mountain View is a legit team. Um, yeah. They, it was one of those teams I really was excited to see. Um, more so, I wanted to see the the matchup between Milwaukee and Zeroway Williams, uh, who just committed to Utah last week, actually. So, congratulations again to him. Second but, guy from Mountain Point recently. They have uh, Lacarie yeah. Pleasant Johnson there from a couple years ago, too. Yep. Yep. Lacarie, uh, 20, class of 2019, signed with Utah as well. And, that was actually something I asked Zeroway when I when I interviewed him for the story about his commitment, and he said that he remembered watching Lacarie sign and how cool of a moment that was, and how he envisioned himself doing that for basketball. Now, obviously, he's going to be doing it, you know, in December or in the in the later signing period in February for football. Um, so again, congratulations to him, and that was a battle between those two, man. Uh, you know, Zeroway definitely one of those project types and not necessarily for his feet or hands or just his overall skill level but just for the fact of him filling out his body a little bit more I mean he's six foot eight and still looks more like a basketball player than a football player but he can move like a football player um he's gonna be an elite level tackle when his career is done or when he gets to Utah I can guarantee that um that was a battle between those two and and the rest of the Mountain View defensive line stepped up I actually named them that entire unit, the uh, one of the top five players for Team AZV and the top five that we do every week for Arizona Varsity, um, they they played very, very well. But at the same time, Mountain View also played very well. Amir Boyd had his best game of the year, in my opinion. Threw for 169 yards, had, nice. some, had, a, had a couple of rushes. Now, some of them, they went for yards lost, but he also rushed in for a touchdown that pulled Mountain Point within a score of Mountain View late in the game. And, you know, it was basically his throws that got Mountain Point down to, I think it was like the 20 or 19 yard line of Mountain View with under a minute left. Mountain View's defensive line stepped up, got a sack on fourth down and ultimately sealed the win. Um, and, you know, I even asked Malaki after the game, just, you know, and, and it's not guaranteed that they're going to go undefeated. They have to play a very, very red hot Basha team who's won four in a row this week. Then they have to play Corona del Sol, who's also undefeated. In my opinion, winner of that game goes to the Open. We'll see. But Malaki, I asked him, I said, theoretically, if you guys get to the point where you're undefeated at the, regular, at the end of the regular season, where would you rather be? And he told me straight up that they want to be in the Open division. They feel like their defense is good enough to be in the Open division. Um, and, you know, their defensive line, I can definitely say, is, is definitely good enough. Uh, their secondary didn't really have to do a ton early on in the game just because their D-line was dominating. Um, but in that second half, Mountain Point really started to find a rhythm there through the air. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, overall, Mountain View is a very good team. Mountain Point is probably the best team that doesn't have a win so far this season. And one, one player I want to mention as well, Jaden Crockett. An absolute stud. Played for Alhambra. 
didn't get very many looks because he was at a school like Alhambra that just unfortunately didn't have a very good program. I know Mountain Point is not much better <laughs> in terms of record, but he was phenomenal. I think it might have been one of his best games he's ever played at the high school level. He picked off a pat or he had an interception. He returned a punt for 42 yards for a touchdown. He basically proved to be a, the headhunter that we all knew he was from that safety position. Um, he was he was phenomenal in that game. And I know it hurt that they didn't win that game because I talked to him after, but they're showing improvement. And obviously they have a very tough Queen Creek team coming up this week, so we'll see what happens there. They have to go to Queen Creek, which is never easy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, Mountain Point is, is a much better team than they're actually made out to be. And I've been saying that all year long, but I truly saw that this past week. Yeah, it says something about... Um, you know, the level of talent that there is in Arizona football, that there are some kids, you know, you've got a D1 lineman, you've got some other kids on that team that are uh, being recruited and some real athletes. It just shows that the there's good programs all over the place now, especially in 6A in that in the East Valley, the teams that they have to go up against every night have great kids. Um, and you mentioned Skyline. They don't have a lot of wins either, but it's the same reason. It's not because they're bad. It's because, you know, there's just so many great teams around. Um, and on the note of high school football, we talked to Richard Obert, as you said. Um, I say we get into that interview, let the audience listen more about Rich, and uh, we'll end it off with some of our stuff for week seven. Right on. Sounds good. Let's take a listen to Richard Obert. Richard, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Eric and I, we wanted to have you on for quite a while now, obviously. Um, you know, you, you, you're one of the mainstays when it comes to Arizona high school sports reporting. You do a great job, obviously, for the Arizona Republic. You break a ton of amazing stories. You write a ton of amazing features. Um, so Eric and I kind of want to explore you know, how you got into this business. And then, you know, I think we're going to talk a little, uh, a little AIA football and everything like that as the season's kind of wrapping up here. It's a very weird season, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, just to start, um, you know, how did, how did you kind of get your foot on the ground when it comes to sports journalism as a whole? Well, you know, I was actually wanted to be a uh, film critic when I was going through college and stuff, I never really even thought about sports writing. And then, um, you know, it's, it's hard to be a film critic. I mean, there's, there's only a few jobs that were few and far behind between back, back in the eighties. And so when, uh, when I was going to college at AAC, it was toward my, toward the end of my, uh, college, uh, career, you know, as I was like a junior going into my senior year or something like that. And I, um, it was actually at the East Valley Tribune. It was the Macy Tribune back then. And um, there was a, a posting at the ASU, at ASU uh, for a freelance sports reporter um, for the Macy Tribune making like $15 a story. So I kind of jumped on that because, you know, I wanted to just kind of kind of get involved, get going, see what happens. And, and uh, I, I instantly just really, really loved it. And, and um, I didn't even look at it as... Uh, as uh, while you know, I'm getting paid for this, you know, even though it was very, very little, you know, um, I was just very, very fortunate, felt very fortunate, really happy to be able to have a job like that, even, you know, it was per story. And so because it was per story, I try to come up with as many stories as I could. 
And, and I think that I kind of got in the habit of trying to trying to write and write and write, write a lot of stories. And that's what started it. It's kind of funny because I feel like there's so many media personalities that I even talk to on a daily basis that have some sort of ties to the Tribune. So it's kind of funny that I'm obviously there now. <laughs> but um, going back to your early days with the Tribune, um, what were some of your favorite stories that you remember the most from your time there? Yeah, that, it, that was only one year. And then I got the job with the Arizona Republic. But um, probably, I have to think maybe the first uh, story I ever did was about Greyhound racing. And um, there was a family, uh, I think in Queen Creek, um, or Mesa or somewhere in, in that area that had, uh, that raised greyhounds. And I, I was doing, so I did a story on that and, uh, how the, what the family, the, the, the mother and the father was doing to, to bring, to, uh, you know, get all these greyhounds and, and, uh, you know, go to the, the racetrack and, and race them and stuff. So that, that was one story. And another story was on the, a rodeo that was going on. And, and, uh, you know, there was a, you know, a rodeo person that was living in Mason was doing really, really well. It was like doing a bull riding and that kind of thing. And the, uh, the, you know, the trials and tribulations and the injury factor and everything else that went into the danger of going into being a, uh, being, being involved in the, uh, being a rodeo cowboy basically. So those were a couple of stories that just jumped out and, and it was probably, um, it was early in the Dobson years and, and I remember Mike Clark and Rick McConnell and those guys. I think Rick McConnell is still that Dobson basketball coach. And, and, uh, um, but, but those two, two guys, you know, Mike Clark was really impressionable. He's uh, just a dynamic, charismatic uh, coach who, who just kind of told it like it was. And of course, Jesse Parker at Mountain View, you know, just going over there and seeing, seeing how he was a totally different person from the teacher as, as he was as the coach, you know, and, and even off the field, he was just a, a real quiet, more of a quiet, more of a laid back type of person. And what you'd see on the football sideline was very extremely intense and, and just very demanding and everything. So mm, those are some of the people that just kind of stood out. I don't think I would ever know how to write a, a story about Greyhound racing. <laughs> oh, God. <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, um, do, you think that, do you think that that had – because in high school sports and prep sports, um, and I know that's not all you cover. You do – you did uh, the Rattlers when they were playing. You do GCU. Um, but, you know, there's so many different sports and different stories and everything. Do you think that kind of – you know, that early experience of, I won't call them weird sports, but things that you weren't necessarily even uh, thinking about doing. Do you think that helped you kind of diversify your writing style and everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. In fact, those are the stories that I, I prefer doing. I, I like doing the offbeat type of story and the human interest type story um, over the more of the mundane, you know, so-and-so uh, broke a state record or this guy is the best player on the team. You know, I like trying to find something that's different. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's off, you know, just, just has something that's going to take the reader and that's not, it's not the so-called sports fan, but somebody that's just interested in, in people or trends or, or an event or something going on that's unusual. So, yeah, I think that's, that helped a lot, diversified me as a writer and just uh, made me think kind of outside the box, what else there is uh, that would be of interest for other people. Did you kind of develop a, a system early on for finding stories or has it 
changed with the uh with twitter and social media and everything like that or what's your what's your system like because i imagine you break so many things and write so many things that i can't imagine it's all just happenstance yeah it's it's a lot of stuff and 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 it's 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 a buildup of sources over the years and decades and just having people that kind of go to me and i know zach yeah i know you guys have it too um, where you have sources that reach out. We, we probably have yeah. the same sources that reach out to each other. I'm sure. Uh, with stories <laughs> all the time. So, you know, but, but, but yeah, it's that, you know, you see things on Twitter, you know, you see things on, on social media that might, might pop up as a, that might be an interesting story or, um, you know, that kind of thing or, or just parents or people or coaches uh, reaching out um, about a, a story. And, and also, uh, uh, I'll send emails out to coaches and um, asking, um, "Hey, if there's a if there's a really good story in your team, if you have an unusual type, good human interest story, please let me know, and I'll, I'll see what I can do and pursue it and do do a story on that." So, um, I'll, I'll sometimes get a lot of response from that too. I think one of my favorite stories that you've written just in the last year or so. Um, was the story about the, I think he was like technically considered like a team manager for Perry, but he wrote, he, he led the team out on a scooter and everything like that. Such right. a cool story. Um, what is that one of those that maybe tops your list as far as your favorites that you've ever written? Oh yeah, Trey. Yeah, that, that was, that was great. And, and it took a few interviews. I went out there a couple of times, two or three times and then went out with the photographer and uh, just to get some good video of him and uh, on a scooter and everything and just uh, 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 talking to the players, the team. And um, um, yeah, yeah, those those kind of stories really kind of, uh, um, you know, go to the heart and people really, really in, enjoy seeing people like that that are just trying to overcome or just trying to be part of it. And, and props to uh, uh, Preston Jones over there for, for making him a big part of the team and not just, you know, you know, he could have, that people could have looked at him you know, as more of a mascot, but he was, he was, he meant so much to all those players and he kind of like brought everybody together and just, uh, you know, and, and just, you know, it was just, and then having a brother that was on the team, one of the better players on the team and, and um, him being able to lead the team out on the field and, and being able to, to break down huddles and, and after practices and stuff like that. It was just, just really encouraging and just really uh, a positive type story on what you, what what can be done to to you know make people see hey there's there's different people out there but they're all together in this and they all want to you know you know they all want to be able to help each other absolutely and I know Eric will probably come back to some of the work you've done with high schools but I want to quickly go to GCU. You know, I've had the opportunity when I went to Cronkite to go to a GCU basketball game. I was able to actually cover the team for Cronkite News. Um, and obviously, you've you've been covering the team essentially yeah. since they had a, you know, began their basketball program. Um, how crazy, like how truly crazy is the environment when the Havocs are at full strength? And I'm not talking obviously this year because of COVID and everything like that, yeah. but just in years past, how crazy is that atmosphere when they're really going? Oh, it's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, cause I, I've been there, uh, I've been covering that team since Dan Marley, you know, was coached seven years ago and, and it, it basically started to grow from there. It started, it actually started to really, really grow when the, the arena was built and uh, opened and and then over years, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was like, maybe it started with maybe a thousand, 1500 students and it got to over 4,000 students and, 
and the whole bottom section on one side and around, you know, the curve. And um, it was just filled with havocs. And then just, you know, you almost kind of wonder if it was choreographed or some of these things they do together because you, you can't, you, you really can't replicate that anywhere else, what they were doing as far as the uh, being in sync and, and all these kind of like wave movements and uh, they, they would amp up, ramp up the, uh, the, the, the DJ, the music and everything to go with it and then the lighting and, and uh, it was just amazing. And even Dan Marley would comment that, you know, cause they, 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 they played a game at Duke, you know, you, you hear about the, uh, you know, the, the Duke student section, how crazy that is and, and the Cameron crazies. And, and he said that I, I would put the Grand Canyon student section up against anybody in the country. And even, you know, Rick Patino when he was at Louisville and came to Grand Canyon and, and uh, you know, Grand Canyon actually led at the half before, you know, kind of, kind of, running out of gas in the second half and losing that game by 10 points. I think even Rick Pitino was really amazed and just, he called it the best student section in the country and everything. And that, that kind of put, I think that kind of put the habits on the map as far as, you know, somebody like Pitino saying that about, uh, about a Grand Canyon team, you know, coming in there, I guess he had no idea what he was walking into, but uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard for them now to get those kind of programs like Louisville to come in and play them. I know Illinois last year came in and played, Grand Canyon um, at GCU Arena. So, um, but every team, you know, every coach you talk to that's experienced that, they're just like, they have nothing but, but great things to say about it. And you also cover the Rattlers, as Eric already mentioned. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to Kevin Guy, I think one time. Yeah. And of course, I, you know, me just being a Cronkite student, he was kind of like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> um, but which is, which is totally understandable. Um, but, you know, obviously you've covered a lot of state championships when it, came, when it comes to high school. What is it like covering a team that wins a ton of, you know, arena football championships, whether it be in the IFL or in the old AFL? It's fun. It's fun. And I covered, I covered the Rattlers since it's in, in their inception in 92. And Danny White was the coach. And um, I think he coached the first 12 years or so. And uh, those teams were a blast to cover. You know, you had guys like Cedric Bonner and Hunky Cooper. And um, to me, in the in the uh, in the early to mid to late '90s, um, Bonk, uh, Hunky Cooper was like to me. He was like the 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 Charles Barkley of the Rattlers. You know, he just kind of say what it is. I mean, he was just an incredible soundbite. He, he'd have the best quotes that he would just say it. You know, he just he would never hold back. And and um, you know, I really really kind of looked up to those guys. And Bonner is like an incredible duo. Those two guys on the field, and then. Just, you know, then the Kevin Guy year since 2008, he came in and just kind of just, they were in a funk. They were, they were like really slumping at the time. And he just kind of, uh, you know, cleaned house and just totally turned things around. And he's a big SEC guy because he's from Alabama. And, uh, you know, and he knew what to do. He's just a great coach. He knew, he knew how to recruit. He, he got these great players. And, and I, you know, he, what, he won three, three straight state, uh, three straight uh, championships. And, you know, almost won another one. And, and uh, you know, it, it's just been an incredible dynasty that he built over there. So there's been like two eras of, uh, of, of Rattlers football, you know, one by Danny White, next by Kevin, Kevin Guy. And, and, you know, both have done tremendous jobs. And, and uh, you know, and the, and the fans over there, the, the, what they call the Rattler Nation is, is amazing because they do have their niche. They have their, their, their pocket of fans that are very, very loud and very loyal to, to that team, no matter what. How have you seen prep sports in Arizona change? Because you've been around for, um, 
you've been around for a while and yeah. you know <laughs> people have come and gone you've seen some amazing athletes um and you know people come in and cover and then they leave and things like that how have you seen kind of the the sports media landscape around arizona and high school landscape in general kind of change yeah it's exploded you know there's more media probably than ever there's more uh um you know websites and opportunities and um to just get your voice out there and just to be able to uh you know write what you see what you want to uh, write about and then there's so many of these recruiting sites and recruiting has been the number one thing that's just really taken off in Arizona football uh, over the years not even basketball now with all these prep academies but um, football has um, been been just incredibly in a, on a fast track in Arizona as far as recruiting goes and, and the number of division one um, kids have been getting offered or signing and uh, it's just like you know five times, six times, seven times more than it was maybe 20 years ago. So, um, and you just, I think it's just because the, the, the area is growing and there's more coaching opportunities, there's more specialty coaching um, and there's just more kids involved and more parents just want their kids into football. And, and so um, you just see, and then you see all these new schools opening up. So it's just gotten bigger. It's gotten, uh, you know, just bigger and better all around. Are you competitive at all? Because, you know, with so many people coming in and out all the time, you know, there's got to be um, not really competition for breaking stories and everything, yeah. but you kind of want to be the one who does it. Yeah, I mean, that's natural to be competitive, but, you know, I just, I just, you know, try to do whatever comes to me if the, if a story, you know, you know, comes in with, uh, you know, a source or somebody tells me, hey, this is going, you know, I just try to just do it and, and, uh, you know, just try to try to do my best at, at, at covering the story that's given. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many, there's just so many stories out there, you know, there's so much to write about and uh, it's not just football or basketball, baseball. I mean, there's every sport now has just gotten bigger and there's more interest. It seems like from, from, from readers and parents and stuff. So, you know, but yeah, it's been good. Do you have a favorite sport to cover? Um, I, I've always liked basketball because of the pace of it. It's just fast, you know, and, and the games end a little bit earlier. Yep. You know, it's more of an hour and a half game as opposed to football that sometimes can get to three, three plus hours, um, depending on whether it's a TV streamline type, type game or whatever radio. But, um, but no, I, I like football. I just, this year has been, it's been tough just because, um, you know, it's just been hard to be more as engaged as you could because of COVID and, and, you know, and staying at that 10, 10 yard line to the end zone, you just have to just, you know, lay back and, and just try to do the best you can and knowing who's doing what and you just kind of follow the scoreboard at what yard line they're at, try to yeah. keep track of stats that way or, um, but yeah, you just have to do what you can do just just write more of an analysis, not so much uh, who got so many yards or whatever, because you're not going to be, I mean, where you're where you're limited to on the field, you're not going to be able to catch every single play as far as right. the yardage and and everything so you know you just you just have to you know stay at your spot and just uh you know do the interviews after the game and, and just write more of a, a what, what you saw you know uh the big picture type story um of the game not so much statistical you know speaking of basketball um obviously winter sports uh they're delayed at this point we don't know for how long we don't know you know if it will be late december or january whatever it may be 
Um, that was obviously one of the talking points because fall sports can continue, but winter sports can't start up. Um, I'm just interested to get your opinion on that because I, I think it's kind of strange, but at the same time, you know, the AIA said this way back in August. Uh, you reported, I reported it. They, they weren't out to, you know, start up and then stop again and start, then stop. They were going to start and then let it finish no matter what. So right. what's kind of your opinion as far as yeah. winter sports being delayed? Well, I think because of what they experienced in the spring um, with spring sports and them just totally, because they closed the schools and they just totally stopped spring sports. And back then it, it wasn't the pandemic. I mean, it wasn't the outrageous numbers as you saw in June and July and now it's starting to tick up again. So um, I, I think that I think the AI doesn't want to have to go through what they did in the spring where all of a sudden, okay, we're going to stop everything. And then, you know, if they stop football, you know, you know, who's, who, who's, who knows if it's just going to be one or two weeks, it could be the rest of it could be until March and or February, because, you know, it, it's, it, if they want to try to get, get the pandemic under control, the numbers, I don't know how else you're going to do it, but, but just, have everything shut down again, but um, but I think they don't really want to do that again. But as far as basketball goes, I know uh, there's a grind session going on right now at the the facility in Phoenix. You know, and there's yep. eight teams or so, and they're playing every day, and and uh, that's not stopping them. And um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, I know there's a lot of coaches, basketball coaches, that are upset that the, that they're not letting them to uh, go ahead and practice now because of the numbers. So um, I think, I think, the, I don't know if the SMAC can, can pick the numbers back up to allow them to get on the court, but, uh, but it's tough. I, I just, I feel for a lot of these people that, that feel like, you know, uh, football has been given a green light and yet they're not even uh, get, getting, uh, you know, they're put, they're, they're put out of stoppage right now when, when they're considered more of a moderate sport as, as uh as moderate contact sport as opposed to football that's a, a high level contact sport and they're still going so so i can see their side of being frustrated that they're not able to play right now and who knows how long this is going to go for uh, i want to come back to uh you know phh prep in just a second but um you know winter sports there's only three wrestling basketball and of course um the soccer, the winter soccer. I know there's fall yeah. soccer kind of up north because they can't play soccer when it's snowing. <laughs> but um, obviously soccer and basketball, you know, I guess basketball more contact than soccer, of course. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about maybe a, a sport that's more contact than even football, we're talking about wrestling. Do you right. see wrestling being able to, to get going at all when cases are even rising a little bit? You know, I, I don't know if they can. I mean, I, I know they're a lot more strict with wrestling than they are at basketball and soccer. And so um, that's going to be tough. That's, that could be really, really tough unless the numbers start to go down again and, and uh, there's, you know, better medication. medication. But, right, but, you know, um, you know I, and I know somebody had pointed out, um, it might have been a coach or somebody on the executive board that said something about how, you know, they're able to do the um, – you know the the MMA and that kind of stuff is going on right now, but but those guys are getting tested before each fight. Yeah, they're, they they're not going to do that with high school. There's not enough. Uh, there's nobody's really started any kind of testing uh, formula for all, all the athletes before they go out and do a wrestling match. So 
I think what they're looking at is to be able to take temperatures and make sure they're not sick or they don't, they don't feel ill. Um, but, you know, I don't know if that's going to prevent um, the, the risk of, uh, of spreading COVID. So um, that's something they're really taking a hard look at. Yeah, and I was even thinking, like, sure, try to, you know, enforce them to wear masks and everything. But, I mean, when yeah. you're wrestling, that's going to slip down. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's – and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, wrestling as it is, they always, you know, it, it's always called the sport that basically transmits the most germs. And that's not a knock on wrestling, but I mean, it's true. Um, so, but uh, going back to, you know, the club basketball aspect, the grind session going on right now, they've basically been going this entire summer packing in gyms and, you know, wearing masks and everything. Sometimes people aren't, aren't wearing them, but right. they haven't stopped. Um, no. Do you, so kind of a two-part question. One, do you think that kind of sets maybe a bad example and two something you've probably been asked plenty of times before. Do you think club basketball and these like prep academies are in some ways ruining basketball in the AIA? Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely competition with the AIA, but you're not going to find high school coaches in Arizona uh, put down what the, what the um, club programs are doing. I I don't know. uh, You know, I don't, at least not on the record, they're not saying that much about, uh, how they're tearing down the sport, they're tearing it down for the high schools, and it's not good. Or, but you know, they're just on diff- different agendas, different uh, rules, and uh, the there's there really aren't any rules when it comes to prep academies as opposed to the AIA. The AIA, they they have a a, a sports medicine advisory committee, and whereas I don't think that these prep academies have that. You know where you know, they're going to, they're going to look at numbers and then you say, Hey, uh, you know, we have to follow this and that, uh, metric or, um, so they're, they're really basically just without rules and they can do what they want. And if you, if you transfer to another school, it's not like you're going to have to sit out at all. It's just, it's just strange. It's just different from what you're used to at, at, at a high school, <clears throat> a regular public high school in Arizona, as opposed to that, just where you can just go whenever you want, wherever you want. You saw a lot of the high school girls top girls basketball players uh, leave their high school, um, traditional high school for the prep academy, but especially the PHH um, prep team this, this summer. And then some of them came back, like there are a couple of girls from uh, uh, Valley Vista. So um, uh, Janae, I, I say, I believe was one of them. So um, it, it's just, it's just, they don't really have the real estate. So they just feel like, it, you know, they can just do what they want. So I don't know. I mean, that's just, they're, they're two totally different animals. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us end up covering the regular traditional high schools more. Do you, and you've been to so many championships and everything, do you, do you still like get excited for a football championship or a basketball championship or anything after all of them? Or is it just kind of another day? Yeah, no, I really do get excited for the championship games because it all led up to this and this is the finale and, um, it's it's worth it but when you you know going back to the prep scene prep basketball scene i I don't know if you can get the same kind of vibe because there's not the student although this is covid now and they're really not allowing that many students and uh, although even some schools are allowing a lot of students but most schools in the state are not uh letting students really you know have these student sections that you're used to in basketball past like corona del sol was like incredible with your students and pinnacle too they all had a great student section you really you don't really have that at, for the prep academy that go through these grind sessions. It's mostly just for them to, to, to try to further their career in college or 
get more offers or, or have colleges look at them. And um, so it's a different, it's just a, a different atmosphere. I, I, I prefer covering like a Corona del Sol and, uh, you know, a pinnacle type basketball game right. over, I, I would over, uh, you know, AZ Compass against Dream City or something. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's the history. Old. Yeah, it is. It really is. It is the history and it's just the core value that this, they're just doing it because that they love their school and they lo- love their neighborhood their community you know they're not out to try to make a personal gain huge personal gains to you know, get scholarships and you know they're, they're just playing for the reasons that that are kind of pure you know still so um, yeah richard before we uh before we wrap things up with you here i uh and thank you again for joining us, by the way. Uh, oh, I want to touch on uh, football just for a yeah. second. We're, we're almost through this weird shortened season. Um, you know, obviously week eight is going to have some pretty big matchups. Uh, we're not there quite yet. We're yeah. entering week seven, of course. Um, but first off, what is, uh, what is your game of the week this week? And then I, I'll let Eric go with a question of his own and then, I'm going to put you on the spot for the last question. Okay. You probably you probably know what's coming, especially because it involves two East Valley teams. Okay. Um, but first of all, what's your what's your uh, week seven game of the week? Yeah, it, it's Northwest Christian against American Leadership, Queen Creek. Oh um, man, and it's kind of a throwback. You know, these guys know each other well from the three eight back in the three eight days, and they're both championship teams at that level. And they've made the they've made the move to four A uh, rather easily. You know, but uh, they've done a great job and. Both teams have only lost one game. I think uh, ALA QC has lost to uh, Mesquite and uh, with Ty Thompson going wild. And then um, uh, Northwest losing last week by one point to Cactus, which is a pretty good team for you. That's, a, that's actually a, a, a quality loss, you know, losing by one. They, they probably could have won that game, but then uh, but uh, they were um, – and, and before that, they, they hadn't uh, scored less than 50 points in a game, you know, in their four wins. So – but yeah, that that should be a really good. It's just it's just a good match, man. Yeah, and it's it is leading up to the big week eight. Do you have a favorite championship game you've covered? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I probably the um, probably the ninety eight. I think it was nineteen ninety eight when when um, uh, Desert uh, Desert Vista went 14 and 0 and they had Bobby Wade and they beat Brophy. It was a wild game. And Bobby Wade just went off. He went crazy. It was the, probably the best state championship performance I've ever seen. I know there's been some, a lot of great ones since then, but that just really stood out in my mind. What Bobby Wade did, that was back when, uh, when it was just starting up to be that athlete, you know, that kind of that dual threat that wasn't just yeah. a quarterback. He was a running back receiver, a defensive back. He did everything and just totally changed the game. And, you know, you saw what he did at U of A and then in the NFL. Um, but then, and then you look at the triple overtime game between uh, Mountain View and Hamilton. Uh, I think it might've been John Wren's, uh, I don't know, one of John Wren's last years, but that was a great game. Tom, um, Tom Joseph was coach Mountain View and it was, it was an incredible, incredible game. And then of course you have the, the, the Brophy, the 99 yard uh, drive, you know, the win at the end against Hamilton. And that was Scooter Molander who was coach at the time. I was pretty young, but I actually still remember watching Bobby Wade in person because my sister actually went to school with him at Desert Vista. Wow. So, you know, there were times where I'd actually go down there and they were actually really good friends. So he would always give me his helmet or throw a ball around or whatever. And I was probably like five or six maybe at the time. Um, yeah. So pretty cool to, you know, to hear 
you mentioned him and obviously that that great team led by coach Ritay and yeah. um, I actually talked to Bobby senior yesterday for like 30 minutes or something like oh. that um, really really good yeah. family yeah um, you know to uh to put you on the spot now Richard okay. um Chandler and Hamilton uh, you know, I think arguably the the two toughest tests for, for both of those teams, uh, for Chandler, obviously, Centennial, and I think a very scrappy Highland team is still going to maybe yeah. give them a couple problems. Um, Hamilton, I thought maybe Highland would sneak away with a victory there as well. Obviously, Hamilton prevailed with that one after, a, obviously, yeah. a, a tremendous performance by Nico. Um, yeah. And then they, they squeaked by Saguaro as well, led by their defense and special teams. Yeah. Let's let's just assume both of them are undefeated in week eight. And I'm actually going to bring up another game as well. Let's assume Corona del Sol and Mountain View are also undefeated in week eight. Let's stick okay. with that one first. Okay. Okay, that, that's, that could be very likely, even though, you know, yeah. Mountain View Mountain is playing a, a, a hot, a hot Basha team this week. And I think Basha's won four in a row since losing their first game. Yep. So, that's kind of the game they got to be. They got to be really wary of. They can't look ahead to Corona, and um, you know Corona's Corona's for real. You know they they've blown out a lot of teams so far this year. So people might might look at their schedule as not being very tough, but but you know both those teams have done what they need they need to do to get to the spot. You know it's not easy to go undefeated. So, but yeah, that'll be that'll be a great game too. Do you think the winner of that game makes the open if they're both undefeated? You know. Um, I don't have either team ranked in my super 10. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know, but it could, you know, I don't know how the rankings are going to come out. Uh, right, yeah. now, and I don't know if, if, uh, if it will be enough based on strength of schedule, but, um, but there, but it's likely you're right. You know, the winner could be the, 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 the one that maybe gets that eight spot. And, and I, I'm not sure if, if, if they're going to, if the rankings are going to be a big challenge because of COVID and, and, certain teams having maybe two or three less games than other teams. Yeah. And so is there maybe some athletic directors will form a committee to, to, to select it themselves. And, and um, you know, I, I know 1A um, did that with, with their selection committee and just having athletic directors do it instead of, uh, you know, a, a computer system ranking the team. So um, that, that's something that could, they could even look at, you know, as possibly as a selection committee to put it together. They should do a media selection committee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Um, Chandler Hamilton. I think at this point we can maybe say that both of those teams should be undefeated by the time they match up next week. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it's no, it's a no-brainer what's at stake. Obviously, probably the number one seed in the open division. The loser may obviously just fall only to like two or three at the most. I think. Right. Right. Um, but in your opinion, who wins that matchup? Like I said, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Uh, I would say Chandler. Chandler. I mean, I've seen both teams play at least twice, and and um, I just, I just, there's something about Chandler. Even though Chandler kind of struggled, I thought, even though they still won by a pretty good margin against Centennial a couple of weeks ago, but I saw a much better Centennial team than the one that lost 42 to nothing to Hamilton yeah. to start the year. I just think they're, uh, I think, and I think losing Eli Sanders in the second half. I'm not sure where what his status is. But, but there's so much depth on that Chandler team, so much depth at running back. Uh, Nicholas Nesbitt does a great job. He's done, he's just he's basically just, you know, if there's been any slack of losing to Eli Sanders, he just picked it up. And then Mikey Keene, he just doesn't know how to lose a varsity game, you know, in his <laughs> career. So 
and that defense is just unbelievable. That's a great defense. So um, I just I just like Chandler right now. I just think they're just a little bit better. They're just better right now. I mean, um, when I saw them earlier this year, I thought, oh man, that's a legit top five team in the country, you know. But then against Centennial, I thought they they kind of took a little bit of a step back. But but you know, and I even think you know Coach Garrettson was a little. Uh, a little short after that game. I don't think he was real pleased about the about what, how how that game went for them. So I think being <clears throat> being off last week with Desert Vista not able to play them because of COVID, I think that might help them as far as just regrouping, maybe taking a break, a little bit of a break, and just getting regrouped for uh, for what's going to be a very tough Highland team. Yeah, and uh, disclaimer as well for the Hamilton Chandler matchup. I think all three of us can agree that'll probably be a very close game. It's not going to be a blowout. No. So uh, hopefully no Hamilton fans take offense to, uh, no. to I think, all of us maybe choosing Chandler. But uh, it will be a great game. And obviously if Hamilton wins, I, I honestly don't think we'd also be that surprised because no. of how good they are as well. Oh, yeah. Hamilton, when I saw them early too, and their defense, I thought, wow, that is incredible defense. And you saw them against Swarrow. Yep. And Swarrow's good. They got speed too, and that was a great game. So, you know, put throw Swarrow in there too. I think those – at the end of the day, it's going to be a final four with those three schools and, and just, you know, kind of take your pick on the fourth one, whether it's Centennial or, or, you know, who knows who's going to end up the, the fourth seed out of all that. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Richard, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, great conversation. Much. It was yeah. great to kind of get to know your roots a little bit as well. Uh, something that you and I haven't really talked about and, uh, you know, obviously, I'll probably see you on a sideline very, very soon. So, yeah, for sure. uh, you, guys, you guys are going to be the next wave of a great high school sports. I mean, you guys do an incredible job. So, um, I really admire what you guys do. You know, you, you'll be the, you'll be the, I don't know how many, how much longer I'll be doing this, but you guys can be the next. Big you'll wave be around forever, sports. Rich. Okay. We hope you're around uh, for a long time because okay, you, you okay. do a lot of great things for, for um, the community. That's for sure. So, I appreciate and, it. you know, we definitely look up yeah. to you a little bit. I, I kind of, yeah. you know, I, I, I always say to myself, I want to be in your position in a couple of years if I can. So, um, yeah, you'll be, yeah, you're doing a great job. All right. Thanks, Eric and Zach. Yeah, no problem, Richard. Thank you again. Thank you again to Richard Obert for joining us. Obviously does a great job with, uh, with the Arizona Republic. Give him a follow on Twitter at AZC underscore Obert. Um, you will not regret it as he obviously has a ton of stories every single week. Um, you're going to see a bunch of stories from, the Northwest Christian ALA Queen Creek game on his Twitter feed this week. So uh, definitely give all of those a read. Eric, let's look ahead. We know where Richard's going to be this week. Where are you going to be this week? So I'm still deciding. Um, there are two games I want to see, and they're both for region titles. Um, one that's really intriguing me um, is Sunny Slope against Barry Goldwater. And Sunny Slope with a win would be undefeated at 5-0. and um, and would win their region in 5A after, you know, some weeks off due to COVID. Um, new coach out there, I think, is um, is doing a great job. And then the other one I'm thinking about is Estrella Foothills that, you know, started off the season rough. They're at 3-3, three and three, but a win against Deer Valley at Deer Valley, um, another 3-3 three and three team would clinch the division and playoffs after not making it last year. Um, and they've got a ton of senior talent over there. So it'll just depend on, you know, it's hard to even predict right now because, you know, one day, one day we could be saying we're going somewhere and they have COVID. I mean, look what you were talking about going to see Desert Vista last week. Um, mm-hmm. And what happened to them happened. We 
we just don't know. So I'm keeping my options open, but those are kind of the two that I'm looking at. Absolutely. Uh, for me, a uh, little bit of a change. So normally I cover a lot of Mountain Point, a lot of Desert Vista for the Ahwatukee Foothills news. Um, but given that next week is the Tukey Bowl, um, I'm going to be seeing both of those teams. So with that said, and obviously Desert Vista has a bye. They wouldn't be playing anyway because they had a, an issue with COVID as well. Um, with that being said, I've talked about this game several times on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to go see Highland and Chandler. Um, I'm not going to see Mountain Point this week. Like I said, I saw them, you know, basically the last two weeks now. I'm going to see them and Desert Vista in the Tukey Bowl next week, which obviously you and I will talk a lot about because that's a rivalry that you've even covered a couple times with me. Um, but Highland and Chandler. Highland tough loss to Hamilton. Chandler coming off a of bye week because of Desert Vista having to cancel. I've said it before that I think Highland's defense is elite. And, you know, obviously I, I, I did say that it was going to – I guess what we would see – how how they do I'm stuttering a lot here. I'm kind of confused myself, but I, I said this Highland defense was elite. I wanted to see how they did against Hamilton and how they did against Chandler. Obviously Hamilton got away from them there in that game last week. Uh, Nico Marquial had an amazing game. Uh, you said he actually, you told me before we started recording that he actually set a Hamilton record for passing yards, which is crazy to me and completions with and completions and completions. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I'm excited to see what this Highland team does against Chandler. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, Highland gave Hamilton a game this last week. So if they can do that, they can give Chandler a game. Absolutely. Uh, really quick, Eric, before we wrap things up, what are some games, that, uh, some other games you're looking forward to? I am really excited um, about, even though um, they haven't won that many this year, I think that um, Centennial against Chaparral is going to be a good game. Yeah, I was looking at that one too. And, you know, Chaparral just is, they're having their own struggles. They had COVID, and then again, they're a team that has played a bunch of amazing opponents. Um, but I think they're going to give Centennial a game. They have a, they have too much talent over there to not be competitive. And that's kind of the one I'm really excited for. Um how about you? Um, that one for sure. Um, I really also like this, believe it or not, this North and Cesar Chavez game. Um, North is off to an undefeated start so far this season. Um, so maybe maybe a little bit of a turnaround. Now this is the, the third and, and final game that North has on their schedule. Um, but I think it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens with that game. And you know, Mark Mejia, who used to be the uh, the offensive coordinator there at, at Mountain Point under Rich Welbrock, he's actually the head coach at North now. So, you know, great to see him having some success in a very limited season for them. Um, but another game, you know, that I that I mentioned as well, Mountain View and Basha. You know, Mountain View obviously riding a six-game win streak. Basha, four-game win streak. And it seems like a lot of those young players for Basha – are really finding their way. Um, Demon Williams is, is a natural talent at quarterback. Um, he's going to have a tremendous career. I think we're going to be talking about him when he's a senior in the same way that we were talking about Spencer Rattler. That's how good he is. Um, so agreed. He he's got all that 
hype and as a yeah. freshman to be able to play this well is awesome. Another note on North, I, I feel like, you know, it's not listed, but they're going to have some more games. Um, yeah. I would be very surprised if they don't because of one COVID drops, but also just because of the way that the Phoenix union is going to have their schedule set up and everything. They'll, they'll have more games. I hope um, so. And they deserve it. They just got a new transfer in, um, Tolleson district West point high school. Caleb Miller is, a um, the quarterback. He was the quarterback at West point. I actually interviewed him. Um, in a feature I did for Arizona Varsity on West Point when they were still set to have a season, he transferred over there. I don't know about if he'll start or what, but he's a, he's an athlete that um, just another small addition to that North roster. So Cesar Chavez looked really good, even though they lost to Higley. Um, but they, if North can keep it close against them, um, it'll be, It'll be impressive because I think Cesar Chavez is the the class of the Phoenix Union schools. Yeah, I would agree, and they have a they have a really good running back too in Linwood and uh, Linwood Crawford. He's a very very good running back. So and he also plays linebacker, I think too. So, um, and then you know the, even the game that Richard was talking about, ALA Queen Creek and Northwest Christian, two teams that moved up from three A. Now obviously Northwest tried to do a legal battle with the AIA. And unfortunately, well, I don't want to say unfortunately, but they lost that battle. Uh, they've been doing pretty well at 4A. I think, I think they're okay. I think they're all right to stay up at this level. Um, but that'll be a really good one as well. Agreed. I have a question that is really, really, really important, Zach. Oh, God. And it has a that, lot... means I'm, that means I'm going to hate it. Um, chugga, chugga, choo-choo. How many chuggas do you say before you go choo-choo? As always, thank you for everyone for listening. Uh, go, ahead and give, go ahead and give us all a follow on Twitter at chugga 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 choo choo at Zach Elvira on Twitter at Enuman Writes. Actually, you don't even have to give Eric a follow after what he just said. Um, at AZHSFB and at Arizona Varsity. Thank you again for <laughs> to Richard Over for joining us. Thank you, Richard. Um, it sets a four, chugga, 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 chugga. So whatever the answer is, unless you need an economic or a chugga, chugga, you can go the two if you're really in a hurry to say chugga, chugga, choo-choo. But I think normally it has to be sets of four. I think that's what's important. We will see you all next week.